welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. So as we continue prayer, we want to remember the Isaac family, continue to bear them up in our prayers. Amen. 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 Trust that God would extend grace to them in a special way. Amen. I want to uh, speak to us on the, the subject today, the, the day God said no to David. The day God said no to David. Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 16 is our text. But in the interest of time, I just want to read the first three verses. Second Samuel chapter 7 beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. The day God said no to David. This, this episode before us from the life of David provides us inspiration and information for our personal application. David's life is far more than an ancient story from the past. It is repleted with lessons for our Christian enrichment. And as we think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that says to us, All scripture 
is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Invaluable lessons, brothers and sisters, can be gleaned from this encounter that David had here with God. A sure way of evaluating and determining Christian maturity is when God tells us no. And what this does, it, it measures how genuineness, how sincere, it measures the depth of our faith when God tells us no. Of course, we, we all must admit and can admit that none of us like to hear God say no. You know, agree with me. None of us like to hear God say no. And this, this experience, of course, clashes with the viewpoint known as the name it and claim it. And that falsely implies that God will always say yes. That, that viewpoint, of course, we know is a long stretch of that scripture that they use ever so often. John chapter 14, verse 13, where the Lord says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And these uh, prosperity teachers emphasize whatever you ask that I will do. The problem is that they leave out an important part that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Are you, are you following? Are you following the scripture? That if the Father is not going to be glorified, then he has not committed himself to doing it. Am I talking to us? Because he does it in order that the Father may be glorified. Oh. Oftentimes our prayer is simply based on our ambition when we ask of God. We have a desire, we want to attain, we want to do something and uh, we just say, well, we, we take it to God and amen. We pray about it and we believe God that God is going to come through for us. Listen, God is not, has not committed himself to fulfilling our wish list. God has committed himself to fulfilling his promises in his word. Am I talking to us? Ah, for he said that he established his word above his name. So when he makes a promise, amen, and if there are conditions to be met, and those conditions...
conditions are met. Am I talking to somebody? God has committed himself that he will do it. Hmm. Didn't say that our wish list is going to fulfill all the things that we're wishing. You're going quiet at me now. So the Bible says, whatever you ask the Father, Jesus speaking now, in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified. So it's all for the glory of God. If God is not going to be glorified, then he's not going to do it. And I said this before and say it again. That God puts his glory above our comfort. There was an encounter in scripture where there is a man that was born blind. And when his disciples saw it, they have their weird Jewish theology or Jewish uh, myth about transmigration. And they asked Jesus, who is it that sin that caused this man to be born blind? Now to us, that's a strange question. But Jesus didn't waste time to get into their philosophy. Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents, but this man was born blind for the glory of God. Think about it. Think about a blind man in those days. It's not like our day now, where there are social services that, you know, assist the disabled and things of that sort. But think about this man born blind. If he had nobody to assist him, life was hard. But Jesus said that this man was born blind for the glory of God. So God puts his glory above our ease, above our comfort. Oh, no. That's a hard one to digest, but it's the truth. He puts his glory above our comfort. Not that he doesn't care about our comfort, no. Am I talking to us? But his glory comes first. Mm. So from the scripture, brothers and sisters, we all conclude, can conclude, there's absolute certainty that God will and that God does say no sometimes. God's answer to our prayer is always based on sovereign omniscience. God is sovereign and God knows all things. You see, we, we see things from one angle. Why talking to us? And sometimes our vision is really like, you know, through the tunnel. But God sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning. And he also sees the end. Amen. There are times when God says no to us. And we need to acknowledge and recognize that God has that prerogative to say yes and also to say no. 
So we must not only recognize God's will when he supplies blessing, but also recognize God's will when he suspends the blessing. <laughs> we must recognize his will when he presents blessing and also when he prevents them. Now, there is a scripture for that. And you say, which, where is it? It's found in the book of 1 Kings 17. When God sent the prophet Elijah to tell Ahab about the famine that is going to come on the land. And after the prophet was through with the prophecy, God said, now run. Run for your life. He said, I want you to go by the brook carriage with his beyond Jordan. And he said to him, I have provided a place there for you. And I have also provided the ravens to feed you. And that is in verses 2 to 4 of the text. But in verse 7, the Bible says, And the brook dried up. Oh, Lord. That, that same brook that God provided for him, the Bible says, the brook dried up. So we must acknowledge God's providence when he presents the blessing to us. And also when he chose not to. Talk with me somebody. And this is why the testimony of brother Job is so rich. In the content of his maturity. The Bible says after. The man lost everything. His family. And all his possession. This man was able to testify. He said the Lord gives. And the Lord has taken away. The Lord gives. And the Lord has taken away. Every, every Christian. Has had the experience. Of wanting to do something. When God says no. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes God, God's no is manifested in the failure in what we do. Because we want to do it. Oh, Lord. And you know, sometimes we can tell ourselves that it is God who is telling us to do it. That our voice in speaking to ourselves can be so powerful when we want to do something that we actually tell ourselves that it is God who tells us. But God didn't tell us anything. Because in a short period of time, it is no more. And if it's God, then it's going to last. I, I, read, I read of uh, a man who once professed that the Lord had called him to preach. He tell himself so often that, you know, this is what the Lord wanted, which is a good thing. And so the pastor allowed him to preach and uh, he preached one Sunday and uh, they never saw him again. 
And uh, somewhere down the line, one sister met him and said, hey, but you said the Lord called you to preach. And from you preached that Sunday, we have not seen you again. And he replied and says, sister, you don't know. After God hearing me preach the first time, he said, never mind. <laughs> now, he told himself that God called him to preach. And he didn't believe that he had done well when he preached the first time. And he told himself that God said, never mind. It is so powerful we can speak to ourselves in such a way that we are convinced that it's God. Mm. And what oftentimes determines whether or not it's God is whether or not it fails. And sometimes when it fails, instead of us acknowledging that it was just our desire, we blame others. Say, so, well, this person caused it to fail because this person didn't do this and this person didn't do that. It's important for us as believers that we do not allow our dreams, our desires, our goals, or our aspirations to get in the way of God's divine plan for our lives. It's very important. Mm. Very important. So, from this encounter that we are looking at here this morning, there are four thoughts, four things we want to look at quickly. We want to look at David's resolve, to look at God's refusal and the reason, and the fourth thing is the reaction. David resolved to build a temple for God. And this flowed out of his love for God. Firstly, when he came to the throne, he decided uh, his first spiritual act was to bring the ark back. And then this can be considered David's second item, spiritual item on his agenda as king. The Bible says in verse 1 and 2, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies round about or all around that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar. But the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. These two verses, they are filled with spiritual truth, spiritual reality. David was enjoying rest. God had given him rest from battle. We know when he had just ascended to the throne, there was a whole lot of war. The Philistines and everybody coming to attack and God gave him victory over them. And it reached a point where David didn't have any war pending. So the nation was at ease, was at rest. Everybody now 
respected them that they are a military might. They can't just run them over now. So they were at rest. And David, the Bible says, he sat in his house. And in our modern day vernacular, we would say David was living large. Yes, he was living large. He had everything and everything was well with him. And so he called to old Nate. Nathan the prophet. And he said, Now, God doesn't have a house. I am living in a house made of cedar. And history tells us that David's house took seven years to build. Imagine, just cedar. But it took seven years. There must have been some magnificent house. Am I talking to somebody? But as he sat there and he remembered, he reflected on where the Lord brought him from. That there were times when he slept in caves. There were times when he slept in the wilderness, running for his life. Amen. And God brought him through all of those experiences. And here God has now established him. He looked back at where the Lord brought him from. And he says, I must do something for God. I must do something for God. And so he called the prophet. And I can imagine the joy that overrun Nate's heart when the king said to him, I'm going to build a house for my God. And he see, he in the text replies, say, well, whatever you desire to do, my Lord, do it. Because the Lord is with you. Whatever it is that you desire to do, go ahead and do it. For the Lord is with you. I can imagine, Nate, as he traveled home from the king's house, how excited and the joy that overshadowed his heart that amen the king is now going to build a house for the lord am i talking to somebody today Mm. david was contented with what god had done for him but he was not contented with what he had done for the lord and how about us we are satisfied without Jesus. Can I get an amen in the house? We are satisfied without Jesus for what he has done for us. But is he satisfied with us? Have we, have we given him our best? You see, we are satisfied because we are the recipients of his blessing. We are satisfied. He has done so much for us. We are satisfied. But he's satisfied with us. David was contented with what God had done for him. But he was not contented with what he had done for the Lord. So despite his lifestyle, his luxurious lifestyle. 
he was willing to look beyond what was going on in his present life and decide that he was going to honor God. And so he told Nate, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. And Nate, in his excitement, I believe, went home happy, glad. He went to sleep. And that night God said to him, Now, Nate, I don't want David to build me any house. I didn't tell anybody that I need any house. Oh, Lord. I, I, I told nobody that I needed any house. So I don't want David to build me any house. And this takes us here to the refusal. God said no to David's desire to build him a house. One of the most difficult times in a Christian life is when he or she has to deal with a refusal from God. It's a good test for our spirituality. Paul said to the Corinthians, don't be like children in understanding. <laughs> and many a times, when God said no to us, that's how we behave. Oh, I get an amen in the house. And God said, no, we behave like spoiled children. You're accustomed to those children lie down and they roll and they kick on the floor and all of these things just because you said no as a parent. But every parent realized the importance of saying no. Every good parent from time to time said no to their children. I think there would be a resounding amen in the house. Yeah. Every good parent from time to time said no to their children. Amen. 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 Because if you don't say no, then it means the children ruling you. And the children don't have the wisdom yet to make all the wise decisions in life. Am I talking to us? And you who have lived and have had some experiences, you know danger. So when they are asking for something that is dangerous, you're going to say no. Or you should say no. Let me put it that way. Ah. So every, every good parent knows what it is to say no to a child to withhold something that they thought they couldn't live without. <laughs> Then upon withholding it, they realized they really didn't need it because life went on without it. Oh, Lord. It is not only our responsibility, brothers, sisters, to recognize God's will when he says yes. We're also responsible for recognizing God's will when he says no. We must agree with God when he bestows blessing as well as when he blocks blessing. 
Oh Lord Jesus. You know, you know, for us Christians, many of us, every time that we see an opportunity to make some money, we say it's the Lord. But it's not always the Lord. It's not always the Lord. It's not every time that an opportunity shows up for you to make some money, it is the Lord who provides. Oh boy, I probably need to do a whole message on this. But it's not always. The devil can use those things as well to get us off track. Oh Lord. Devil can use money to take you out of church. And you say, well, the Lord provide. No, no, no. Not the Lord. <laughs> oh, God. You're not with me today, so I'm going to leave that until I prepare that message. Mm. It is our responsibility to recognize God's will when he says yes, as well as when he says no. Mm. Simple fact for us to always remember is that God always sees the big picture. He sees the whole thing. Am I, am I talking to us? Let's look at the third, the third point here. And it's only four, so we're getting along. The reason why God says no. We need to understand, first of all, God does not arbitrarily say no to his children. Can I get an amen? Just as he doesn't arbitrarily say yes, it must be within the context of the promise that he makes to us, coupled with our faith and our obedience, amen, then we can lay hold on that promise and claim it, and then God says yes, because if it is a conditional promise, then we fulfill the conditions. Mm. And when God says no, it's not a, to say that he is mean or vindictive. Sometimes God says no as a consequence of our behavior. And sometimes he says no because of our lack of faith. In David's case, the reason God said no is twofold. First, it was because of facts as it relates to God. God reminded David that he had never dwelt in a house since Israel was brought up out of Egypt. And God had not required the king to build him a house. Very important lesson here, brother, sister. A good idea is not always God's idea. Uh, we can have a good idea. And nothing wrong about the idea. But it's not God's idea. Oh Lord. David had a good idea. He wanted to build God a house. Good idea. 
He was asking God for anything. He wanted to give something to God. Good idea. But it was not God's idea. It means that sometimes in our lives we have to put some good ideas aside. Because they are good. They are not bad in and of themselves. But they are not God's idea at that particular moment. David had this good idea. But it wasn't God's idea for him to build a house for him. Another reason why God refused to let David build a house is because his hands were stained with blood. And that seemed as if it was not revealed to David until later because it was when his son Solomon was about to ascend to the throne in 1 Chronicles 22 that David said to Solomon, he said, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great war. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. David was a man of war fought many wars, he had killed many. God says, although they were heathen, although they were my enemies, they were opposing me, but you have shed blood. And because you have shed blood, I don't want you to build me a house. It appear or would appear to us that God allowed some maturity to take place in David's life before this was revealed to him. A second reason we are seeing for God's refusal was because of God's plan for David's future. When God says no to us, brothers and sisters, Oftentimes, it's because of some things relating to our future, why he said no. And we should never, never forget that God sees the big picture. God sees the complete picture. God forbid David to build a house. Why? Because God was going to build David a house. Ah. Uh, it's like God saying, my son, no, 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 this is my treat. David said, Lord, I'm going to build your house. Say, oh, no, no, no. This is my treat. Because you want to build me a house, David. I am going to build you a house. Mm. Nathan then related to David God's intention that God was going to build him a house. 
not a house made of bricks and mortar or granite and stone, but God was going to build David a house of posterity. Mm. That's the house God was going to build David. David, I'm going to establish you. Am I talking to somebody today? God's house for David was to establish the throne and the kingdom forever. Wow. That, that's God's plan. God said, no. This is my treat. You want to build me a house? No. I'm going to build you a house, David. Because you're a man after my own heart. Am I talking to somebody today? I'm going to build you a house of posterity. I am going to establish your kingdom. I'm going to establish your throne. Amen. Remember when Jesus came, the Bible says he was of the house and lineage of whom? So God established David's kingdom as an everlasting kingdom. Am I talking to somebody? David, you want to build me a house? No. This is my treat. I'm going to build you a house. Not one made out of bricks or mortar, or granite or stone. No. It's a house of posterity. I'm going to establish you, David. David, I'm going to establish you. And your kingdom is going to last. Mm. If you're reading the text, we didn't have time to read it all along. But this takes us to the reaction. David's reaction was revealed in the words. The Bible says, Then went King David in and sat before the Lord. When, when Nathan brought the word to David that this is what God says, the Bible says, David went in and sat before the Lord. We'll talk about that in a while, but hear this brother, sister. David's first spiritual act as king didn't go too well. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says he, he numbered his men, the mighty men and amen, the men of war and he built this beautiful cart and decide, I'm going to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. The Bible says he went and they had the ark on this chariot pulled by these horses and on the way something happened and the ark rocked as if it was going to fall. And the Bible says, Yusa, stretch one his hand, doing a good thing, brother, sister, to prevent the ark from falling. And God killed him right there. Can somebody say, thank God for mercy? Can somebody say, thank God for mercy? Because some of the things that we do, brother, sister, from day to day, if it were back then, we would have died. 
So use it, put forth his hand to prevent the ark from falling. And God struck him and he died. And the Bible says David was angry with God. He was mad with God because God killed Uzzah. Mm. But here now, David is doing his second spiritual act. Oh, Lord. And he decided, I'm going to get it right this time. So I'm not just going to do it by myself. I'm going to bring in old name. Ah, Jesus. I'm going to bring in the prophet. And I'm going to share with him what's on my mind. Am I talking to us today? I'm not going to go by myself as I did before without any advice. I am going to consult Nate. And so he brought in Nathan and he said, Listen, this is in my mind. I want to build a house for the Lord. And Nathan said, great idea, my Lord, great idea. Uh, whatever, whatever is in your heart, go ahead and do it because the Lord is with you. When he went to bed that night, the Lord said, I don't want David to build me any house. It's not an indication that I'm not with him. I'm with him. But I don't want him to build me any house. This was David's second spiritual act. And he decided, I'm going to get it right this time. Am I talking to us? That's why the Bible says to us, brother, sister, friend, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Remembering again that a good idea may not be God's idea. And so, with counseling comes advice. Ah, when we run it across others, this is what the Lord laid on my heart to do. And they can pray about it with you. Uh, they can think about it with you. And to share their thoughts with you. Always bearing in mind that a good idea is not always God's idea. Mm. The Bible says, David went in and he sat before the Lord. And the, the, the word here does not necessarily indicate a physical posture. What it really means is that David went before the Lord. He went to the house of God in reflection and meditation. So he, he went before the Lord. Mm. And this suggests to us as Christians that we are to sit before the Lord when we don't know what God is doing in our lives. We just sit before the Lord. It's an example of what to do when God tells us no about something that we want to do. Just sit before him. No doubt David went to the tabernacle. And many believe this may be the background experience for David. For his inspiration when he wrote and said be still and know that I am God. 
David probably sat there in reverence. Mm. Probably also in astonishment at the news that Nate brought to him that God is going to establish him. Not only, not only that he shouldn't build a house, but the promise that Nathan brought to him that God was going to, amen, establish him. And the Bible says, and yet this was a small thing in your sight, David said, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man? So that's not how men do it. Oh, Lord God. This is not done according to man's way, but this is God's way. David's reaction and his receptivity to God's refusal, we find it in verse 20. For you, Lord, Know your servants. David said, you Lord, you know your servant. When God tells us no or forbids us from going in a certain direction or put a blessing on old for us, we ought to be able to say, Lord, you know your servant. Instead of throwing a fit, and rolling all around and behaving as if the world falling. I say, Lord, you know your servant. Mm. And the paycheck become irregular. Mm. I say, Lord, you know your servant. When it looks like there is no certainty in the direction of our lives, the proper response is, Lord, you know. You know. An unchangeable certainty is that God knows us. God knows what we can take. God knows what we can handle. God knows what blessing will help us and what blessing will hurt us. Ah, blessing can hurt. If the timing is not right, blessing can hurt. Oh Lord. God can bless people and it, the blessing caused them to turn away from God. And we have seen that over and over. We have seen that time and time again where God bless people. And they start focusing solely on the blessing, not on the blesser. And in no time at all, they drift away from the Lord. Mm. When God says no, our response should be yes. Not yes against God's will, but yes to affirm God's will that he says no. When God says no, we are to say yes, not in conflict with God's will, but yes to confirm God's will. When God says no, we are to say yes, 
not in defiance of God's will, but in deference to God's will. We must accept and realize that God knows what is best for us. Mm. There is an old song that says, we are our heavenly father's children and he loves us one and all. And he knows, yes, he knows just how much we can bear. Mm. The Holy Spirit has this truth laying right out there in the surface of this narrative. And if we are not careful, we can miss it. When God says no to us, he oftentimes has something better for us. When God says no, God oftentimes down the line has something better. He has a better plan for us. And if he were to say yes at this juncture, it could derail that plan down the road. And so God says no. We need to acknowledge, appreciate, and accept when God says no. Now here we find David not asking God for anything, not bringing any request to God, but just as he reflected on God's goodness toward him, the wonderful things that God had done for him, he decided that he wanted to build God a house. Ah, and having messed up the first time by acting without any consultation, this time he brought in Nathan the prophet. And he said, now this is what I am about to do. And it was a great idea. It was a wonderful idea. And so Nate was excited. And he said, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, my Lord. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you go and do it. For the Lord is with you. And he rejoiced with the king in the blessing that God had bestowed upon him in giving the nation rest. The prophet was at ease. The prophet was relaxed. But God says, now, tell my servant, I don't want him to build me any house. Uh, I don't want him to. I'm going to build him a house. And this house that I'm going to build him is going to last because it's a house of posterity. It's not a brick and mortar structure, but I'm going to establish his throne. And David, David, when he, when he sat before the Lord and said, what, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done? Here am I, just simply wanted to build a, a place where God's name would be established. And here God is saying that He's going to establish my kingdom. What have I done to deserve this? When God says no to us, God has a better plan for us. So we must not see no as rejection, but rather an acknowledgement that it is not in God's will at this particular time. Somewhere down the line, Somewhere down the line, it might be a whole different story. But at this juncture in our lives, 
it is not what God's plan is for us. And so he says no. Mm. But as we think of David, and we think of his posterity, we think about the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he saw what was coming, the weight of the whole world, of this sinful world, this world of darkness on him. And he went to the Father and said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. The Bible says he prayed, he prayed once, and when he came back and his disciples were there, and he said, just watch with me, watch with me for one hour. He went back and he prayed. The Bible says he continued, they were fast asleep. And he said, sleep on, sleep on. God says no, because God has us in his plan. Can somebody say hallelujah? Jesus had to go to the cross. It was destined, it was his destiny that he should die he should shed his precious blood so that sinners like you sinners like me can be forgiven can somebody say hallelujah jesus went all the way to the cross and he gave his life blood he died there in our place he died in my place and he died in your place. He died so that we might be forgiven. He died so that we might have hope. He died so that we might live. Amen. He died for us. He died for us, brothers and sisters. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. He didn't have one of his own because he didn't need a permanent one. So he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, hallelujah, the Bible said God the Father raised him from the dead and brought him back to life. Glory to God. And he's alive and he's alive forevermore. Hallelujah. He's alive. And today we're here celebrating him, celebrating his goodness. Celebrating his kindness, celebrating his love, celebrating the sacrifice that he made for us when he laid down his life. He said, greater love had no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Uh, Paul says, for a righteous man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners we were in rebellion against him but Christ died for us he died to redeem us oh hallelujah he died to buy us back from the slave market of sin Adam sold us out he sold us to the devil but Jesus he redeemed us he bought us back Hallelujah. And so Peter said, we are now returned to the shepherd. 
and the bishop of our souls. Glory to God. We were like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. But we are now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. He is Lord and he is master of all. Can somebody give him glory? He is Lord and he is master of all. And today we celebrate. We celebrate his sacrificial love that he demonstrated for us. When he laid down his life. Some writers said all the way to Calvary. He went for me. And now to set me free. See, although I had so many, many sins. Jesus took them all away. And he pardoned me. And thank God Jesus took our sins. And he pardoned us. And today we have hope. Can somebody say amen? Today we have hope because Jesus took our sins and he pardoned us. Hallelujah. What a savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Our heavenly father, we give you thanks. We give you praise for this moment. We thank you for the sacrifice of our Savior. We thank you for the redemption that we have through his blood. Thank you for your word, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for the truth of your word. May you help us to hide your word in our hearts. Understanding that Lord, when you say no, you have something better down the road for us that we would humbly accept the no as your will for our lives. Oh God, knowing that you know what is best for us. We give you thanks, we give you praise. If there is somebody in this house, somebody listening, who have not yet surrendered to you, oh God, I pray today that today would be the day when they would say, yes, I need Jesus as my Savior. I need Jesus as my give you thanks Father and we give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. I just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.